I am Giuseppe. Hi, I'm Anthony, and this is For the Love of Sophia, a philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please follow us on Twitter. Enjoy the ride. changing it up a bit mm-hmm. we're going to stop with the hard metaphysical stuff for a little bit and today we're going to talk about ethics and morality right that's the right morality that's uh, right. which is already something interesting here right is there two different things ethics right, and right. morality, or is it the same thing what do we have two words for this that's a good point um when i typically think of ethics i think of this one question that i wind up asking my ethics class on on day one of class which is you know, we go around calling certain things right and wrong, certain things good, certain things bad. And I say, you know, what is it that makes a good thing good? <laughs> and what is it that makes a bad thing bad? Yes, that's also one of my, the first things that I ask. Um, and it seems it, the first thing that comes out is usually, oh, this is obvious, right? It is good to be generous, right? It is good to, you know, to tell the truth, just to, to mm. use a couple of examples. Within. Those are the right things to do. Uh, but then the question is, why? Right, right. Why? Why is that? And then the more, as, as, as usual, the more why you ask, the more difficult. Yeah, they uh, get the, mad. They get mad. They do get <laughs> mad. Um, but I I think it's legitimate that they get mad because it's not, it's maddening, right? It is not, it's not. Easy to answer the question, and that's uh, true. And honestly, if we we're gonna go, if we really want to talk about that, right? At the end of the day, what is it? What is it? Hume says, right? Show me in this whatever action, what this good or bad thing that you know that you mm-hmm. that you say is, um, and then I'll accept that this is something that we can actually define. But it's not it. And Hume's idea is like it's sympathy, right? It's this mm-hmm. empathy is the issue, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. Um, it is, we're talking about values here, right? Which is a little bit different. We've been talking about reality a lot. We've been talking about stuff that somehow people tend to believe that we can agree on, even though if we did a decent job, we know that it's not that easy to agree on those things either, like on reality right, and stuff. Right. But it's definitely more, more difficult to to get on the on in agreement with what good is. Yeah, I think the, the inclination towards objectivity is a lot easier to get on board with when it comes to reality and knowledge because these seem to be more descriptive, right? We're just explaining mm-hmm. features of reality. Whereas when we're talking about ethics, at least on the surface, it doesn't seem like the same thing. Absolutely. Or at least, um, yes, because we see, and the, the I don't know if you find the same thing. I, I, I want to say that we live in a, in a period of time where relativism, right? This mm. idea that everything goes and everyone has his own moral code. Right, if right. Not, if not by individual, at least by uh, by group, right? This is prevalent, right? There's this idea now, what, uh, this is the, 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 um, the refuge of anyone that mm. doesn't want to explain really uh, what is right and wrong. It's just saying like, well, 
it's relative. That's right. It's a cop out. Exactly. This is relative. It's over here for us. This is uh, it's wrong to eat uh, cats and dogs. But if you go to uh, to Asia, that's what they eat, and it's not wrong. That's all right. It's just what they do. It's what they do, and you know there. Are, <laughs> I always like like this example. There are cannibals, and there are people <laughs> who are killing is fine, and the Eskimo that you know with with all their weird ways of living uh, but for them that's normal so such and such yeah and this is usually as you say the first answer mm -hmm. that people who are new to ethics give it's like what is right well it's whatever you believe is right and you can't judge people yes and when i hear that i say you don't believe that right that's just a knee-jerk reaction and i know you don't believe it because the joke i always say if someone come in right now and just shanked me and the cop says okay what happened do you think it was good do you think it was bad what you wouldn't say is, well, you know, the, the assailant <laughs> thought that it was good, so, you know, it was good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wonder, though, um, why we got here, right? Mm. What was the reason? Why Why do we have this knee-jerk reaction, so to speak? What do you think? What is it that... What do I think? What, what, why is it that we got there? So, I think it's, it's easy, a right? lot. It's, it, it is easy. Because one of the answers that flashed through my head is this idea that if you give a relativist-type answer, you absolve yourself, A, from having to think about anything, and that's clearly the easier route, so let's, let's do that. Um, and two, in addition to that, you no longer have to take a look in the mirror, so to speak, because anything you do is fine, right? You no longer have to live up to standards. And without standards... It seems like, uh, at least initially, that I can get by much easier in life. When in reality, if you have no standards, you're going to wind up being upset with yourself later Ag in life. Agreed, 100%. Even though I think that the second thing that you're saying, mm. it is already on a level that many people that give the answer is not, you know, everything is relative, don't get. I think that the main thing is they are, they, as you said, they don't need to think. That's right. The only thing that you need to do is like, hey, that's it. He did it. He might be right. He might be wrong. I don't need to make any judgment. Mm. And I also think that this comes from this idea um, that we have embedded in our in our head at the, at this point that judging other people's conducts is bad. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it's bad. You're not supposed to judge people mm -hmm. because why would you, right? <laughs> why would you judge somebody? That's their way, right? The same way we don't judge people, we cannot say, you know. Um, anything about the way they look or what they eat or the, the, their opinions because they're just opinions. And of course, um, if we talk about the conduct of people, that's even more important, right? Because what, are you going to say to somebody that they're doing something wrong? Right, right. What? Who are you Who to are tell you? them it's wrong? Exactly, exactly. And I think that it is interesting that, um, that we are at this point because I think that 50, 60 years ago was the opposite. Mm. Until the 60s, well, that's more than 50, 60 years by now. That's like 80 that sounds years. weird to say. Yeah. yeah, it's about 80 years. Um, but it is, it was the opposite. I mean, it was like, this is the way, mm -hmm. and then everyone else is wrong, which is also problematic, right? Because of course, it doesn't, of course. doesn't leave any wiggle room. There's the truth that is dictated by whatever authority and nothing else. And then with the 60s and the 70s, it comes the reaction to this, and which leads to relativism and the promise that the pendulum went the other way around yeah, it's like this he hegelian historical it, movement exactly right, from the one extreme to the other 
but he hasn't got back. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we haven't had the synthesis of these things yet. I That's think. true. And I don't know why. Um, I always try to, oh, whenever I talk about these things, right, and whenever we talk about what makes a good action a good action, which was our original question to begin with, mm. um, I always say it is normal to be put off by this. And it is normal not to want to think about this because those questions are very difficult. Because if you start thinking, okay, not only I have to identify what to do in this specific situation, because it's ethics is practical, right? It's something that I have to do at the end of the day. Is the way, and at least we can think of it this way as well, mm. is about the way I behave, what I do, who I am as a person, right? Um, so not only you have to find out what the right thing to do is in that, because if you're doing this rationally, you cannot just act however it is. If you want to do the right thing, you kind of, you know, you want to make sure that what you're doing it is. Then you have also to inquire and try to understand why is that the right thing? That's right, Which is yeah. a meta level, mm-hmm. which is very difficult. And I say the question is difficult, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have an answer. Because, Absolutely. Because the relativist is telling you that there is no answer at the end of the day. That is subjective, so no answers are in there. Well, I believe that there is an answer. And the problem is sometimes it's difficult. It's very difficult. Um, I don't remember if we talked about this already, but I always make the example of Kennedy assassination, right? Mm. I always say, look, uh, we can still doubt if it was one lone shooter or multiple shooters. Right, right. That's everything is possible. Let's put it this way. Let's go with the conspiracy theory. Oops. Let's go with the conspiracy theory. Uh, there were multiple shooters, or maybe there was the mainstream theory, one shooter. And let's assume that there is real doubt about this, that we really don't know. The point, though, is that at the end of the day, either was multiple or one, but somebody shot him, right? right. There's a something, right? There's, There's something. an answer. There is an answer there. And the fact that it's difficult to find is no excuse for us to just quit. Totally agreed. And it's making me think, um, in order to be able to make a judgment, you have to be able to make yourself vulnerable. Because if you make a judgment, that means you could make a wrong judgment. True. And no one wants to put themselves on the line like that. Because if you get told you're wrong, there's this element of oversensitivity where it's like, oh, well, I don't want to be, I don't want my, my whole person, my whole identity to be threatened. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to put myself in a spot where I could be shot back down. And there's another thing, I think, which we need to talk about on uh, society right now, but it's this idea that this identification of what I do with who I am, right? Mm, right, right. The fact that I can say something wrong, that I can make a wrong judgment, and that taints somehow the way I am. Right, right. Forever. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking a lot of this seems to be related to um, this shift uh, kind of culturally away from truth and towards just acceptance and niceness for the sake of acceptance and niceness. And I think... Um, so Claire, my fiance, for those of you who don't know... Um, we always talk about this idea that in schools there'll be these bulletin boards mm-hmm. and they'll say things like, when given the choice between being nice and being right, always choose being nice. And this is horrifying to me. It is terrifying. Uh, it is terrifying. And But yes, it is that shift. Unless then... But that works up to a certain point because on the other hand, 
the moment you are accused of something, mm. then you're a monster forever and everyone gangs up on you. Absolutely. So there's this disconnect, right, between uh, the fact that you have to be nice unless mm. we don't really like this thing or unless somebody has hurt me and then it's different. And then we jump on it. Yes, and I think that there are these two things together. I think that the fact that you don't want to be wrong is part of the reason why people don't want to judge. And the other issue is, if I give in into this mentality that I can make judgments, then somebody can make a judgment on me. That's true. And therefore, that's not good either. Right? Mm. That's scary as well. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be judged by anybody. Right, right. But the point being is, is it even possible to live an entire life seriously avoiding any sort of judgment and seriously... No way, you'd be dead. Avoiding any sort of you know, endorsing a sort of value at the end of the day because that's what we're talking about. It's like, should I eat or should I not eat? Uh, and then that's it, you're done. Exactly. And it, and and it's also, and again, even, you know, but even staying within ethics and morality, is it even, what are you going to do? I mean, how do you res resolve your conflicts? Your Absolutely. And I always say this, ethics is not, is the least abstract of all mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. philosophical uh, disciplines because it deals with life. It deals with practical it's practical philosophy, right? It deals with life. And uh, I don't know how you can. I don't understand how you can. And I think that's part of, of what the education system has lost, at least in the mm. West, and especially here in the U.S., is the fact, is the idea that we need to give guidance to the students, not telling them what they have to say, but giving them the tools to make the judgment and explain to them that making the judgment is okay. Yeah, and, and good for your for your life. Absolutely. Because I mean, think think about all the information you come across, all the people you associate with, all the dilemmas you encounter where you think about, you know, should I act this way or should I act this way? It's like every time you make a choice, you are basing it off some kind of ethical values that you hold, even if you don't know that you are. Absolutely. And so part of ethics is trying to get you to draw out those ethical principles and realize, like, what is it that you believe and why is it that you believe it? And is it, do you have good reason to believe that? Yeah, we're trying to unveil mm -hmm. what, what's there already some, most of the time. And it's like Socrates, right? Exactly. And you're trying to unveil it. Sometimes it's like to critique, to use, again, we, I always use words in our I know, you're, you're good at this. I was thinking about this the other day. I, 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 I pick from one thing and put it in place where it's not to do with it. But again, uh, probably in this case, actually, it's not that that off, but to critique mm -hmm. the values that we have in order to discover, for example, if we abide by this value just because of um, because of a habit or because of tradition. And it is much, much more about understanding, well, do I do this just because I really believe in this? And why do I believe in this? Which circles all the way back to our original question, I would say. Because at the end of the day, you need to ask this question. What makes this thing good? Is this good for me because I'm used to it? Mm -hmm. Is this thing good because my mom told me? Is this good because I don't know anything else? Or is it easier? Or is this good with the capital, capital G? G right? right. And especially like when you have kids, this is going to be a thing you encounter. Because oh, you're yes. going to have to tell <laughs> your kids that doing certain things is bad. Yes. And when you see uh, the drug addict in the street doing something that very clearly is not good for yeah. a human being and your child says, oh, mommy and daddy, should I do that? Yeah. Um, you're going to say no <laughs> and that's a judgment Hopefully. and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd be surprised. I, 
it's strange uh, because kids, I think, somehow develop a moral compass. Mm. Not because you tell them things, but they. L- I think that they learn. This is becoming like a pedagogy. It's uh, good though. Episode, it's good. Right? You know, uh, but I'm saying I think that they they learn by um, by seeing the way people behave more than by being taught like, hey, this is wrong. Mm. I don't think so. My son is now eleven. My daughter is eight. I don't think that I have very, very rarely have told them this is wrong or this is right or this is good and this is bad. Um, they kind of instinctually know, but I know it's not instinct. It's rather they have observed things between us, school, TV, YouTube, or whatever it is. They hmm. learn this thing. And sometimes what I have done is like, why do you think that this is okay? Or why do you think that this is bad? Um, and sometimes whatever they think is okay is not okay. Um, but I want to say that most of the time they get it. They they already share our values. That's so interesting. And I wonder why that is. Right? I, it almost makes you wonder if there's like some kind of inherent will to, to goodness. Uh, I, I don't know if I think there is an inherent will to to live peacefully and not to have conflicts. Yeah, that with, sounds good. With whoever you're living. So you right, understand right. that uh, that if you do this and this is not... there is, I think there is an inherent way for us to live peacefully and not to get in trouble and to take the least path of resistance, right? So if I do this, if I agree with everyone else about this, I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to do any of these mm. things. Uh, and I say this because, on the other hand, then they will do things um, when nobody's looking, right? They will try to, <laughs> uh, you know, if bedtime is 8 o'clock or whatever it is, uh, and at bedtime there's no electronics or anything like this, they will try to sneak in their iPod in their bed, of right? Of course, of course. Um, which is not the right thing to do, and they know that. <laughs> so once again, they know, but there's still this fact that I want to do it. Yeah, it's, it's like the real test of ethics seems to be not what you do when you're being watched, but mm-hmm. what you would do precisely when no one is watching. Yeah. And the way you choose to act in those situations, I guess, can depend on a number of things. And I wonder, if we're talking about children learning ethics, uh, if one of those ways is conditioning, which is going to lead to something you know we wind up talking about in the future. Yeah, uh, it is possible. Um, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure. I think that partially it is. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I've been conditioned to do certain things or to think certain things all my life. Um, I went to school uh, with the nuns for a while, right? And mm-hmm. they tried to condition you to do things. Uh, Smack you on the wrist. Yeah, yeah. I don't even. Let's not even go there. <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, but yet, I still resist the conditioning, and I still don't do these things, even mm-hmm. though it was for a long time. Now, I wonder if they if this is because their effort was poor, they mm. didn't know how to do it, or it is because if there is a certain resistance, there's nothing you can do. We're like really different than dogs, right? Than Pavlov dog, uh, or if it's just a degree, hmm. and, that, and that I don't know. And I wonder, you know, kind of trying to merge this question of conditioning with what makes good actions good to kind of return to the central question. What, what is it that typically 
believe, or what is it that people typically believe makes something good? Right? Because we can talk about whether or not their answer is conditioned, but on a side note, what do we typically encounter when we ask this question? I mean, what do you usually think? What makes a good thing good? Oh, I think there's two different different answers here. So I can tell you what, with certainty, what I encounter from other people most of the time when I ask this question. And I want to say that the major, if we eliminate the relativism part of it, mm-hmm. I think that the majority is um, whenever other people benefit from what I do for the things that I do rather than me benefiting. Mm. There seems to be this idea that um, including someone else, the fact that what I'm going to do or what I want to do benefits someone that's not just me makes that action good. I, I would agree that that's the second most common answer you encounter. Um, I get that one. I, I can think, what what's the first one that you get? Relativism? Oh, rel- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah no, I got gotcha, you, gotcha. So, yes, I would say that that is it, hmm. uh, which is interesting, I believe. And and maybe there's something to this, right? Maybe. Uh, of this idea that behavior is not just about myself, but it is about the way ethics is not about the individual, but it's rather about the interaction between the individual or the connection, the relationship, however you want to call it, between the individual and other individuals or the individuals and whatever that surrounds this individual. Hmm. Uh, which kind of goes uh, against what we were saying before, right? This idea that it is about what I do when I'm alone, right? Yeah, no, yeah, right, right. Others. That's a good point. And I don't know if it's if we can be reconciliated. What do you think? It's like, uh, hmm. because I, on one side, I... I'm not sure if there would be any point to ethics if I was the only person on Earth. <laughs> That's probably true, yeah. What would be the point, right? What would be the point, on me, sure. On me behaving, what would it mean that something is good or right hmm. if I'm the only person on, not even on Earth, but on a wasteland, right, where there's me and just rocks and nothing else? I, I think that's probably true because uh, I typically say, like, you know, there's the, the philosophical branches that are concerned with questions regarding what is, mm-hmm. and then you have the branches concerned with the questions of what should be, and ethics is definitely one of those, but when you're talking about what should be, they seem to be inherently social mm-hmm. for the exact reasons you're saying, and on the question of whether or not we can synthesize this, how you act when you're alone with ethics benefiting the group or relating to the group in some way, Maybe it's like we examine what your comportment like towards other people would be when you're not being watched. Okay, yes. And right, that, that's the synthesis. Agreed. Agreed, meaning that at the end of the day, you still behave. So the others still exist. You're just not in contact with them in that moment, and you still behave the way you would behave if they were there. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. But so is this ethics social? Uh, a social? Uh, it seems to be. I mean, there's certainly an ethic towards oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if like, that ethic towards oneself can exist independently of the ethic towards other people. Hmm. At the very... There's a care for the self. There's sure. a, the care for the soul thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, we can go with Socrates or... I think with the ancients in general, with uh, Epicureanism and Stoicism, this guy's there, right? There is this idea that you have to care for your soul mm-hmm. and for yourself. 
but as you're saying, I don't think it's completely separate from the aspect, uh, for the social aspect, so to speak. To yeah, I think at the very least we could say maybe they're uh, conceptually distinct, but they exist within the same world, mm-hmm. right? We can't tear one apart from the other, it seems. And then if that's the case, maybe the answer uh, will make something good good, right? An action good. Uh, but what makes a good action good needs to be we need to direct this question towards this relationship between mm. individuals right I think so um, which is nothing new uh, we're not discovering no no but it's always <laughs> good it's always good to lay the the, the groundwork yeah, should right. we say um, and if and if that's the case I mean should we go with kind of Aristotle right idea that this is um, this is our nature right we're social animals, political animals, he mm-hmm. says, right? And that, therefore, um, ethics to be natural, right? To be the thing that um, that we we believe it is. That, you know, the, the a good action is an action that aids um, individuals to be together. So a good action is a, an action that increases our chances of being accepted in a group to working within a group. Mm. And a bad action, something is bad, when instead it's kind of pushing us away from the community or doing something that's against the interests of the community, rather. Yeah, because I, th- I think to, to go back to the answer that's common, which is, oh, what's good is not what benefits me, but what benefits other people, there seems to be this preconceived disconnect between what's good for me and what's good for other people, right? It's like either you're this absolute egoist or either mm-hmm. you're this absolute collectivist. When in reality, I think we probably want somewhere in between where you care about yourself, but not only about yourself, you also care about other people, but not only other people, right? Absolutely. And I think that uh, the Aristotelian way of doing things kind of synthesizes these two things together. Agreed. Um, I also don't think that they are in opposition with one another. I don't think that what's I think that if you really are part of the group, what benefits the group benefits you. Right, right. Because you are the group. Right. <laughs> at least partially. So you shouldn't feel the disconnect, which instead we, at this day and age, we do feel the disconnect because between mm. the public sphere and my private sphere, right? And I I have an idea of where this comes from, but it's not the discussion for now. But right. right. We feel the disconnection, but in reality, if we think about it, what is good for my group, it's good for me. And what is good for me should be good for the group. Should be. I think that what we, when, whenever we say, whenever we feel this, this, no, okay, whenever we say, uh, we we're unclear in this in this connection that we have with the group. I think that the issue is that sometimes we we're looking at. Uh, short term versus long term mm. what is good for me is usually what is good short term and what is good for the group again if I really put myself in the group it is what's good long term hmm. so in my, I might think that it's good for me to eat a pound of chocolate I was just going to say something right like now, that yeah. right rather than sharing this pound of chocolate with whatever is there because I I crave this chocolate right now but it seems a good idea in the short term, but then I got a stomach ache and mm-hmm. I feel like my heart is racing and all this stuff, right? All these bad things. And that is not good. 
while instead sharing this with everyone else, instead it gives me the boost of energy and makes me in a good mood, right? Not just me, but all the people that I share this chocolate with. So now we can work towards something else. We can have a discussion of productive and do something else. Just an example. Right. Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting about your example is that the thing that was good for the group was also good for the individual. Yeah. So it, it was kind of a middle ground because the alternative to eating all the chocolate for myself would be everyone else gets the chocolate and that's more important. And this doing things for the group just for the sake of it, that doesn't seem to be good either, right? No, absolutely. It seems to be like, let's say, a virtuous way, mm -hmm. um, to go back to Aristotle, of navigating these these two distinct yet concurrent spheres, I guess, let's say. And I know with Aristotle, he thinks that ethics has something to do with nature. Absolutely. Right? It's a teleological account, so it's mm -hmm. things being directed towards ends. Right? He has this whole thing in Nicomachean Ethics about how you know, we always act for the sake of an end, mm -hmm. right? And then those ends become intermediate ends towards larger ends. And the ones further at the chain wind up being more valuable. Yes. Because we only act for the sake of those ends, right? Yes. And this ultimate end for humans uh, is something that allows us to function most adequately, right? To be yes. the best human we could be. And it's this Greek term eudaimonia. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes eudaimonia gets translated as happiness, and I'm not sure that this is the greatest translation. Oh, I'm with you. I think it's one of those things that you shouldn't translate somehow. Yeah, right, because, you know, I'm happy I eat a cheeseburger and chocolate, yes. and that's clearly not what Aristotle means. Absolutely not. Uh, I think one of the better words people use for eudaimonia is flourishing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, better. Right. better. Better. You think flourishing is still not the best? I, I, I think it's such a mixture of... Mm. of what we would call partially happiness, partially flourishing, but also this idea of living well. Living well, right? That right. Greek ideal. Yeah, the, the, the good life, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes when you tell, well, the goal of your life should be to live the good life, people think about drinking and <laughs> going out, but it's now, again, it's not a good translation either. Right, uh, right. I think it's such a complex word. Um that depicts a complex concept um, that, quite frankly, I don't know if we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like for Aristotle, in order to live that good life, to achieve eudaimonia, which, by the way, isn't a static state, but yes. rather a perpetual kind of becoming, right? Always um, changing. Always changing. We need certain qualities yeah. that make us excellent, and these qualities are virtues. Yes, it's... The issue, of course, with the ancients is sometimes uh, reading, when you read them unfiltered, mm. then, so I always have to, whenever I talk about virtue ethics uh, in class, I always have to stop in the middle of the lecture, like, hey, I know I sound very passionate about this, mm -hmm. and I know that this sounds like, yeah, this is the way, however, this is also the guy that says, if you're not tall enough, <laughs> that's you're right. be happy. <laughs> so the particular... Uh maybe values they associated with virtue or things we would find absolutely terrible. Some of them at least, yes. Right, at least some of them. But some of them maybe not. And mm -hmm. I wonder, maybe we could talk about some of these qualities. So some of the virtues are like honesty, for example. Or, honesty. Or uh, what else do we have? The courage. Courage, right. Um, justice is justice. one of them. Um, Wit. But yes, uh, you don't want to be dull, right? Right, right. Um, and it's funny... And there's different questions that we can ask. 
why this? Why honesty? Why courage? Why justice? Why wit? Um, so that's one question. And the other question is, why are we still in agreement when we talk about this kind of traits when it comes to happiness and not so much of when Aristotle talks about being tall enough or mm -hmm. being a man and not a woman or, or being uh, Greek, being Greek. <laughs> Um, and so on, or, you know, I think that I agree with him. Uh, it's like the fact that you cannot be happy if you're working, <laughs> <laughs> but that's this idea, right? In mm -hmm, order mm -hmm. to live the good life, you should be, uh, detached from any sort of manual kind of work. The intellectual work is fine, but now if you're doing things with your hands for a living, that doesn't allow you to be happy. Which is so weird if you're a craftsman, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I wonder why are we still in agreement when it comes to justice, honesty, courage, wit, and not so much for these things. Because mm. can you imagine if we had developed a society where work was bad? Right, right. Working with your end was something not good and instead intellectual work and talking and having meaningful conversation. That, is, that was the ideal. Mm. Well, first of all, we would be rich. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, uh, seriously, uh, life will be very different. It'd be kind of uh, vacuous. Right. There's something would seem to be missing because there seems to be, ironically enough, some positive character traits, some virtues that arise by means of working with your hands in a uh, way. Absolutely. Or like playing an instrument or building something, knowing how something works. And I, But again, I wonder why we kind of got away with this hmm. and instead we kept that one. And some people might say it's progress. I'm not sure that that's the case. That would, I don't know what would. What this this kind of quote unquote moving beyond mm -hmm. the working with the hands and instead working with the mind. Do mm -hmm. I see that as progress? No, 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 no. I'm saying, why is it that we still uh, we still believe again in that justice is a quality, right? Mm -hmm. That honesty is a quality, uh, a good quality to have, a good trait to have. While instead, and that these things kind of allow you to be happy, to allow you to live well. Well, things like not being tall enough, uh, the fact that, you know, if you work with your end is bad, we kind of said, okay, the Greeks were wrong about this. Mm. Well, this, they were right. How did we make this separation, hmm. do you think? Right. So a couple of things are coming to mind when, when you talk about the arbitrary standards like being of a certain height. These seem to be things not of our own doing, hmm. whereas actions seem to be. But, of course, working with your hands is also an action, so that doesn't account for that. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is maybe it's that we've seen positive results within ourselves, within the people close to us, within the community at large, when those values are adopted. Mm. You're talking about some sort of... Something um, like justice or honesty. But I'm saying you're talking about the... We're looking at the consequences of the actions that we have performed when we are when we are using this traits, so to speak? It seems like that, that's a good question, right? Because some ethicists say that goodness comes from the intention. Mm -hmm. Some ethicists say it comes from the consequences of your action. And some say it's a combination of both. And, of course, some people will say maybe some other things. And I think with Aristotle, it seems to be both, right? Because he says to, to be virtuous is not just to act like on the surface level, how the mm -hmm. virtuous person would. It's to act virtuously in the same manner that the virtuous person would, which means having these virtues of thought. So like 
you don't do something just because it gives you a good reputation. You, you do it because virtuous is, is enjoyable and you feel pleased with it. And it seems like honesty, justice, wit, there's these consequential benefits, but also there's this element of like strengthening the individual that one feels as a result of adopting these qualities. Absolutely. I'm wondering though, I think Aristotle gives room also for at least when you're learning those virtues, right? Yes. For kind of fake it until you make it, right? You have to. You have. That's the way you learn it. So even if you don't really mean it, if you're forcing yourself into doing this, at least you're training towards being virtuous. But I, but I'm always, I've always been, uh, I always thought that whenever you're doing that, whenever you're forcing, even though you don't mean it, you're already on the path to virtue. Mm, it's better you're, than not. And but I'm assuming that somewhat makes you virtuous already. Yeah, and I think the, the At least way... The, again, in the path. Right, I think the, the reason he's able to say this is precisely because with, with virtue ethics, it's not a binary, you know, you either are or you aren't, but it's a scale, Agreed. and you're more or less virtuous. And, Agreed. You know, if you do one virtuous thing, it's like, that doesn't make you a virtuous person, but it certainly makes you better than doing zero virtuous things. And conversely, if you mess up once or twice, you don't go back to, you know, point zero. You just slide back on the scale, maybe. Which goes back to the things that we were saying before, right? This idea that nowadays, if you make a mistake, that's it, we're all on top of you, and this taints your character forever. Yeah, yeah. Aristotle will be in disagreement with that. There is room for error. Not only that, there is room for not being perfect. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is that you perform the actions, virtuous actions, habitually, that's right. Not That's a key the word, time. right? Yeah, absolutely. Not all the time. Actually, all the time is not good, paradoxically, right? Because mm -hmm. if you tell, I always make the example, if you tell the truth all the time, then you're in trouble and probably that doesn't aid your social living at all. And people could be hurt as a right. result of absolutely. it. Absolutely. And you can be hurt as well, right? Um, classic example, your fiance or, or comes and say, hey, how do I look on this, in this dress? <laughs> uh, what are you going to say? I am honest with those things. You have to be. But, but I do think it's interesting for Aristotle that honesty is not excessive honesty, right? Like all the virtues are you want to act like in this mean where you don't do too much of it or to too great an extent of it or too little or to too little of an extent. Absolutely. And, and the right example, I think, is, you know, I'll, the example that I, that I like to make is like somebody is in the hospital and you know that someone is going to die and the person knows that he or she is going to die as well. And there is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing you can do. You're not a doctor. And the person tells you, and you see that this person is terrified, and this person is telling you, I'm going to die, I'm going to, this horrible thing is happening to me. Now, some people will take the stance like, no, you got to be honest, you're going to be, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, I disagree with that, because right, I think right. that the virtuous thing to do there is like at least to deflect the question, is not to give them the answer, the honest answer is like, don't think about this. It is, what are you going to say? Things can still change. Miracles happen. Whatever it is that the language that you want to use with this person, but definitely the virtuous thing is not telling this person, yes, I'm sorry, you're dead. Because that's horrible. Agreed. And it's like, you know, some people will just not tell their kids that Santa yeah. exists, right? Like yeah. he is automatically fake. And I don't think you should do no, that. I think that's no. terrible to do to your children. No, absolutely. And we are, oh, I'm in a position right now with my son is 11, he knows Santa is fake. Mm -hmm. 
I haven't told him. But he's not fake. <laughs> of course. Uh, I haven't told him. Uh, nobody's told him. But you can tell that he kind of yeah. figured I, this I out. I think it's how it was for me. And he's playing along because he still wants gifts. So he's afraid, I think, that the moment we tell him, like he says, like, I know it's no sin. I was like, then you know that I'm going to spend all this money, so forget. <laughs> Go work in the field. Go work in the field. Uh, no, but I think it's, it's, he's playing along, which is nice. Um but you're right. You're right. I don't think that that's the fair thing to do to a kid. I don't think, and I think that we need to, we need to realize sometimes that uh, there's moder- needs to be moderation even when we do something like being honest, right? Because Absolutely. otherwise you become brutal, and, and brutality is th- not a quality for sure. Of course. And I think um, one of my friends, uh, one of my friends uh, Jeff, if he's listening, he always uses the example of how. You know, at first he found Kant's ethics really, really enticing. And we could talk about that in the next episode. Um, This idea that you always have to be truthful. But he says, you know, if your grandmother's on her deathbed and she says, hey, did you like those cookies I made you? And they were terrible. What you're not going to say to your dying grandmother is actually they, you know, horrible. (laughs) Wanted to puke my guts out. Right? You don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, And and that is important. So um, I wonder if the answer that we're giving about, you know, what makes a good action a good action. Um, it is at the end of the day. It has to do with this almost commonsensical, right, mm. um, way of thinking that it is, you know, find this mean between extremes when it comes to to our action. And I, I wonder if that's the case. I, I think so, too. And, and in saying this, we recognize that when we talk about moderation uh, and common senseness, we don't mean it in this really surface level cliche way because not. this phrase has become so 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 detached from its original purpose to the point where you hear people say yeah everything in mm-hmm. moderation right mm-hmm. um but it has no meaning when it becomes that level of cliche right it's just like a com- computer making noise for the sake of it Absolutely. but there's something really really behind it that we should study more. And, and not only that, you know, people think like, of course, you have to do this everything in moderation. And again, it's common sense. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that common sense and especially finding this mean between extremes is probably the most difficult thing mm. that you can do. And it requires a level of analysis that's the opposite of the superficial way in which we look into it. Right, we, right. Which, we, which people usually think about. Because again, good luck finding the right way all the time mm-hmm. when to tell the truth and when not to or when to be courageous and when not to or even when you know for, for everything as you say it's the deeper level it's something that you need to study really to study and a common sense in philosophy doesn't mean just whatever the layman will do right right it, necessi- it doesn't mean don't cross the street when cars are coming exactly it means something else it means uh, you know finding a theory of a theoretical framework that makes sense with your everyday life, that is not applicable only to the people that live in the Havari Tower, right? To people that live uh, a life that's completely different from the common person. Yeah, and so it's this idea that you you don't want to be completely devoid of thought because then, like Socrates said, you know, that's the unexamined life and it's not worth living. Yeah. Nor do you want to be the ivory tower philosopher who just basically speaks a different language and doesn't engage with quote unquote low culture because they're too good for it and blah, blah, blah. It's like you want to find a way to merge these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where the value lies. And that's, you know, yeah. a place where me and you definitely agree. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm, 
all attached to this, I think there's this idea that um, you know this values that lies in this in this um, how can we say in this middle ground. Again, I keep using this uh, this expression. Um, I think it has to do also. Oh, it, it should be used also when we talk about the identification between people and their values itself, mm. right? and the values that they have and they carry. I mean that how is it that how do how should we judge a person, right? On what basis uh, should we make an ethical judgment? Uh, and I wonder if that also has to do with with this middle ground, with understanding this middle ground, or if maybe there's there there if maybe there's a difference between kind of finding the middle ground in your specific situation as an individual, right, and judging quote unquote uh, the action of someone else. Mm. And I, also wonder, and I also wonder if that is still ethics or if something else. Oh, that's an interesting question. But, but with regard to, you know, judging conduct, we've been talking about this idea of, you know, the Aristotelian mean. But as we know, not everyone agrees with this. And Absolutely. so maybe in the next episode we can examine some of the other ways people look at making ethical judgments. Absolutely. All Sounds right. good. All right. All right.